Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR that in no way matters because America is a failed state. But we might as well tell you about our made-up sponsors because we're clinging to a worthless sense of normalcy. The Trump University... You're yelling. That's because I'm too pissed to whisper. Not that this or anything else matters, but we already did Barely Audible Whisper presents Too Pissed to Whisper about a month ago. Or maybe it was yesterday. Time doesn't seem to matter anymore either. Fine. This will be Barely Audible Whisper presents Too Pissed to Whisper 2. Oh, why not? Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper presents Too Pissed to Whisper 2, where our one sponsor is all three variations of the word two. Where the hell do we even start? Trump hid in his bunker like a little bitch, and then he claimed that he was, quote, inspecting the bunker, and then he got his pathetically fragile ego bruised, so he had Attorney General and evil sack of jowls, Bill Barr, order the military to gas a group of peaceful demonstrators to clear the way for an awkward photo op with an upside-down Bible. We're predictably over-reliant on our Trump impersonation anyway, so why not start with Trump in the bunker? As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman because we hear he hates that. (sighs) The mean protesters are being very unfair to me. And most of them are blacks. And the blacks are very scary. Except for Kanye West and Diamond and Silk because those are my blacks. But the rest of the blacks are Democrat blacks. There you are, Donald. Somebody found me. Please don't kill me. Kill my wife instead. That is your wife, Mr. President. We figured since you decided to hide out here in the bunker, for safety, you'd want your family here as well. I know that Secret Service code name. Trump is the best. That's not a real code name. I'm not a baby. Then why are you hiding in a bunker and crying? Fake news, booze with an accent. I'm not hiding in a bunker. I'm, I'm inspecting the bunker to make sure it's uh, bunkery enough. Bunkery isn't even a real word, Dad. Duh! Somebody else found me. Please don't kill me. Kill Melania's son instead. That That is your son, Baron, Mr. President. I know that, Double O Trump. Double O Seven is a fictional British character. I'm not a baby. Then why are you hiding in a bunker and crying? And why didn't you bring me and Mom with you? Fake news, one of the ones that isn't a bunker. I was inspecting the bunker because Obama didn't leave the bunkers bunkery. And he stole all of the pandemic task forces because Obama was a black... There you are, Mr. President. I thought I'd find you not hiding out in the bunker. You're the only one who understands me, Kaylee McEnany. Psst. Codename Rambo First Trump. (laughs) Get my trophy wife and her son, not Ivanka, out of here so I can grab my press secretary by the pussy. I can hear you, Donald. You whisper louder than a secure man screams. I'll give you some diamonds if you leave. Sold. Bye, Nadavanka. Have fun doing whatever it is you do. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. 
little boy blue and the man on the moon. And you coming home. I hate them. Uh, Mr. President, the liberal media is advancing the false narrative that you're hiding in this bunker, which is ridiculous because you're obviously... Um, obviously, I'm inspecting the bunker. Nobody is the most bestest bunker inspector than Trump. Inspector bunker. Sure, we'll go with inspecting. Um... The thing is, earlier today, you called a bunch of governors weak because they didn't use military force against their own citizens, and now you're in a bunker. So your critics are saying that actually makes you look like you're weak. (gasps) I am not weak. I am most strongliest, least crangest, most very strongly in the history of strongliestness. <laughs> I, know, I know you are. I know. Um, it takes a brave leader to deploy the military against peaceful protesters while crying in a bunker. You're exactly like Winston Churchill. Yeah. Winston Churchill? He was like, if FDR didn't like poor people. The point is, we have to get you out of this bunker so you can pose for a picture of the Bible in front of church. That way, you can not only pander to evangelicals, but you can also get to look brave enough to walk all the way down the street like a big boy. But protesters are saying mean things about me. Don't worry, Mr. President. I hear the voice of Attorney General Bill Barr, but I can't make visual confirmation. The reason you can't see me is because this bunker is actually located inside my jowls. I hate my job. I will have the protesters gassed, shot with rubber bullets, and threatened with a Black Hawk helicopter until they are sufficiently far enough away that you can walk all the way down a single block like a big boy. Yay! I love photo ops with books I haven't read. Nobody makes most bestest photo ops than Trump. This won't be awkward at all. What's a, what's a bibble? And then while our piece of shit president... Not that it matters, but why are you yelling? Because I went from despair to rage. I went from rage to despair. Because those are the only two emotions left. Anyway, while the piece of shit in chief was giving an insane militaristic speech from outside the White House. As always, our Trump impersonator is still a woman. Because nothing ever changes. I hereby invocation the Unerection Act of 1813-07. Because if the protesters are going to say mean things about me, then I can't get an erection. But if I shoot them all with super cool tanks, then I can totally get hard. Which is why Thomas Jefferson invented the Banger Slave Act in the year 1950-20 Attorney General Evil Jowls ordered an assault on a peaceful protest. Lean on me. When you're not strong, and I'll 
This is an act of war. Yes, them. But they're just singing Lean on Me. That's not violent. In fact, it's actually very touching. Bill Withers was a secret deep state Antifa terrorist. Lean on Me is the rallying cry of treason and terrorism and Morgan Freeman wielding a baseball bat. Send in the helicopters. You could literally hear the violence being inflicted on the protesters while the president was talking nonsense. They are thugs, which isn't racist because I could be talking about white people, which I'm not, but I could be. And they burned down an auto zone and the constitution says very strongly that when the looting starts, the shooting starts. And if we don't have auto zones, then we don't have a country. All so he could walk half a block, stand in front of a church, and do this. Okay, somebody hand me a Bible now. Huh, I've never seen a book before. Is it upside down? How do you know which way is upside down? If I flip it over, then it can't be upside down because if it's on the side that I flip over to, then that has to be the right side. This must be the biggest Bible in the world because it's making my enormous hands look small. How should I hold it? Oh, I know. I'll hold it like Hitler did in that picture. Meanwhile, Secretary of Defense Mark Esper, who accompanied the president on his photo op, claimed he didn't know it was a photo op. Then he walked back that statement. And then he walked back the walk back. And then he said he was going to unorder the military presence that had been ordered. And then he unordered the unorder. I didn't know it was going to be a photo op in front of a church. Uh, I thought it was going to be a photo op in front of the troops uh, who aren't being used as a political prop or as an illegal means to destroy opposition to the president. But I'm still going to unorder them from having been ordered to use force against American citizens, which they aren't doing. Uh, because that would be illegal. Uh, but I unordered the unordering so they can use force because that's not illegal because I knew we were going to the church the whole time uh, because America and Jesus and freedom, uh, but not the freedom to demonstrate against America, uh, which is also Jesus, uh, who is also Trump. But it gets worse because of course it does. In addition to the fact that the president has actively deployed the United States military to illegally police American citizens, unidentified, heavily armed, vaguely uniformed, military-seeming, possibly police forces have begun to occupy the streets of Washington, D.C. These troops, or cops, or whatever they are, are not wearing anything that identifies what branch of service or law enforcement agency they are affiliated with, they do not display badges or names, and they have refused, when asked, to supply such basic information as what agency or agencies they work for, whose authority they are there on, what authority they have, or what command structure they are operating under. That's literally a secret police force. When you have a force that is policing, and they are keeping their identities a secret, you have a secret police. Excuse me, sir. You're not wearing anything that identifies who you are. 
No, but this is perfectly legitimate. Trust me. After all, if you can't trust an unidentified, heavily armed, vaguely paramilitary, vaguely police force, then who can you trust? Who do you work for? It's a secret. So you're the secret police? Of course not. This is America. America doesn't have a secret police. Then who sent you? It's a secret. So you're here in a policing capacity, but the source of your authority to police is a secret, but you're not a secret police? That's right. I'm secretly the police, which is different than being the secret police, because if I was the secret police, that would be a secret. But it is a secret. That's right. So if your authority to be the police is a secret, and being a secret would make you the secret police, how are you not the secret police? Because there's not a secret police in America. But you are policing in America in secret, which means you are secretly the police in America, which means there is a secret police in America. That's ridiculous. Just because my authority to police is a secret doesn't mean I'm secretly policing, because I'm obviously openly policing. The policing part is in a secret. The secret to my secret policing is who gives me the authority to police. So if anything, I'm the secret authority, not the secret police. Who are you accountable to? That's a secret. So you're secretly held accountable by a secret authority that secretly gives you the authority to police. That's right. And how do we know if the secret authority that authorizes your secret authority to which you are secretly accountable actually holds you accountable? That's a secret. So you are secretly accountable to the secret authority of a secret authority who secretly gives you secret authority but whether the secret authority that secretly holds you secretly accountable actually holds you accountable is a secret. That's right. That's the definition of being the secret police. No, it isn't. There is a very clearly defined definition that clearly defines that I am clearly not defined as the secret police. What exactly is that definition? It's a secret. God damn it! Secret police tear gassing citizens, a demagogue hiding in a bunker. If that isn't a fascist state, I don't know what is. How about the same demagogue trying to declare anti-fascism as a terrorist organization? Jesus Christ, I forgot about that. Wasn't that like a month ago? It was last week. Alright, I guess let's try to get in touch with the leader of Antifa. There's no such thing. Then I guess let's try to find out how many other domestic terrorists... There's no such thing! Really? None of the actual organizations that actually commit domestic terrorism are officially labeled as domestic terror groups. Not even the goddamn KKK. Then can we hear from anyone in the administration who has any idea what Trump is trying to accomplish? There's no such thing. Actually, that's not quite true. Oh, great. More from the human sack of jowls. As I tweeted last week... The violence instigated and carried out by Antifa and other similar groups in connection with the rioting is domestic terrorism and will be treated accordingly. Usually in a protest, we can blame the scary dark-skinned people, but since so many white people were caught on camera causing destruction, we needed a new scary group. So we're blaming it all on Antifa. It doesn't matter that they're not actually an organization. They sound scary. 
Has it occurred to you that by declaring anti-fascists your opponent, you're essentially declaring yourself fascists? Yes, but our loyal subjects don't realize that. Because Antifa is a stupid word that barely includes the word fascist, and we find that if we emphasize the middle syllable, it sounds weird and foreign. Antifa. Antifa. So your strategy is to what? Claim that everyone against you is a terrorist? That couldn't possibly work. No. No, that'll totally work. Holy shit. It's all part of the fascist's handbook. Here, I'll show you. Welcome to Chapter 7 of the Fascist Handbook. I'm Ivana Powers. You've risen to power on a populist campaign, and you've ruled for some time. But now, too many people are starting to realize that you're not working for them. There's unrest in the streets. What do you do? Um, you find out what they're upset about and establish a discourse? No, Pinky, that's stupid. Oh. Step one, change the conversation. It's almost impossible that any group will assess without someone doing something illegal. Make that the story. But what if they don't? That brings us to step two. Change peaceful protesters into agitators. Oh. Train your police to, instead of keeping the peace, box the protesters into inescapable pockets. Two different groups of police then give conflicting instructions. That way, the crowd is definitely disobeying somebody and the police are justified in using their weapons. Okay, but what if they don't retaliate? If you can't provoke the protesters into breaking windows and setting things on fire, you can always have someone sneak in and do it for you. Oh. Just don't get caught on video. Now, the news media will naturally be drawn to images of destruction, and most of the people will decide they're against the protesters. But the media is full of liars who just want to make you look like a bad leader. So, step three, control the narrative. How? Uh, pretend to understand. Stand the protesters? No, Pinky, that's stupid. Oh. Use the propaganda networks you created in Chapter 1. Find the images of the protesters who look most like criminals. And I think you know what I mean by that. Black people? And post those images alongside the pictures of destruction. Even if they're not the same people, who caused the destruction? If you say they are, then they are. Yeah, but what about fact checkers? Step four, fight censorship. A censor is anyone who wants to prevent you from saying whatever you feel like saying. Remember the mantra I taught you in the chapter on hijacking your political party? If it's not blind loyalty, it's treason. Very good, Pinky. 
Finally! <laughs> Once it's become clear that it's dangerous to question you, you're ready for step five, dehumanize all opponents. Yeah! How would you go about dehumanizing all of your opponents, Pinky? Hmm. I try to convince them that they're all invaders from outer space. That's incredibly stupid, Pinky. Hmm. No, you must use the people's existing biases. You've already tried associating all of the protesters with criminals, and it kind of worked. Next step, declare your opponents terrorists. I hate terrorists! Everyone does. That's why it works. And this is where all the racism you've shown up to this point really pays off. You've made sure that when they think of terrorists, they think of scary foreigners. They're not like us. They want to destroy our way of life. And now you've associated your opponents with these scary foreigners. Furthermore, you're laying the groundwork for the genocide we'll discuss in Chapter 13. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> if it's not blind loyalty, it's treason. If it's not blind loyalty, it's treason. I'm gonna finish it, but I <laughs> couldn't think of anything. I can't believe this fascist bullshit is happening in America! I can't believe that we're this far into an episode about the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd, and we haven't really addressed racism yet. Oh yeah, racism. In our defense, military dictatorship is new in America. Racism is not. For a deeper look at the history of racism in America, Barely Audible Whisper turns to our own Harvard professor, so pretentious, he insists on being called Dr. Professor. The systemic white supremacy that persists to this day in America was invented by wealthy plantation owners in the 1600s as justification for slavery. The Southern aristocracy, having decided that kidnapping, forced labor, and the breeding of human beings as a commodity was easier than doing manual labor. Why, I do declare. I reckon if we was to kidnap a bunch of people from Africa and force them to do all the hard labor we don't want to do ourselves, why, we could make obscene amounts of money and not have to do any actual work. Devised a way to make slavery morally palatable to the poorly educated fools who would eventually reinforce their own poverty by harshly enforcing racism. I don't reckon I know about that. Ain't kidnapping folk and forcing them to do hard labor wrong? Would you believe me if I told you that Africans aren't really people? Mm, if they look like people and they talk like people and they ain't a duck, then ain't they people? Throughout American history, white people can generally be divided into two categories, the unfathomably evil and the unfathomably stupid. The unfathomable tragedy of American white supremacy was thus born in the unfathomably heinous pseudoscience 
that the unfathomably evil white aristocracy manufactured to justify dehumanizing African slaves to the unfathomably stupid and uneducated poor whites that could not fathom the difference between science and bullshit dressed up like science. The Negroid. That word ends in oid. That's how you know it's smart. Exhibits distinctly different cranial features from that of the Anglo-Saxon. It's them distinct exhibition craniums, which makes it okay to whip them? So successful was white supremacist pseudoscience that the aristocracy was not only able to justify slavery with it, they were able to avoid doing even more work by getting the stupid poor whites to do the hard work of oppression. Well, I do declare, brutalizing an entire race of people is most uncouth. I don't reckon I can pay you a very little bit of money to do it for me. Hell yeah, you could. I done internalize all them oids and cranials and such, and now I genuinely hate them black folk. In fact, the stupid whites became so filled with hatred for non-whites that the evil whites were able to oppress and impoverish the stupid whites simply by getting the stupid whites to inflict larger doses of oppression and poverty onto non-whites. Hi, hi, how come I can't get no education or opportunities? Hell, I'm only a little bit better off than the black folk. Why don't you know them black folk is trying to take that away from you? I should have known it. Oh, here I was thinking this was somehow your fault. <laughs> Turns out the black folk are to blame. Oh, now you belong and brutalize them dangle black folk that are trying to steal your scraps while I raise your rent so high that your children can't afford to go to school. Go on now. <laughs> The abolitionist movement introduced America to a third classification of white people known as progressives, who, well-intentioned though they may be, cannot help but overstate their moral courage and importance. I am taking the morally courageous stance that slavery is wrong. You're welcome, black people. Eventually... I called them people. Did you notice? Good for me. Eventually, the American Civil War led to the abolition of slavery, and for the brief period of Reconstruction, it appeared as though actual racial equality might be achieved. Not only can Black people not be enslaved, but they can vote and own property and get an education and... Wow, this is all too much. If these damn carpetbagging Yankees get their way, I might actually have to do some work. The only thing I had going for me was I was better than blacks. Now I ain't no better than blacks. What is that to do? Why don't you put a sheet over your head and commit a bunch of terrorism? Unfortunately, the progressive white tends to be more committed to being self-righteous than they are to actual righteousness and the cause of racial equality was quickly abandoned for the cause of political convenience. Real racial equality is impossible because of the very racist people, who I am much less racist than, 
And while I am truly sorry that Black people continue to be oppressed, the important thing is that Black people realize that I am much less racist than the racist people. And so there was very little racial progress for almost an entire century until the civil rights movement emboldened the black community to demand justice and activated enough progressive white people to enact legislation. Wait a minute. I just realized that separate but equal isn't actually equal. And the passage of landmark civil rights legislation in the 1960s introduced America to a fourth category of white person. Yay! Racism is over! The racial denialist. I have black friends. And so, for six decades, the evil whites continued to manipulate the hatred of the stupid whites, and the progressive whites were so proud of themselves for being less racist than the other whites. I voted for Obama. That they were almost as bad as the denialist whites. Wow, a black president. Racism is definitely over now. When it came to failing to recognize how deeply white supremacy was ingrained into both the American legal system and the American culture. Until smartphones becoming obligatory led to racism being uploaded on social media. Wait a minute. I just realized that racism is still a problem. But I'm a nice person. Ironically, the social media culture, which led progressive whites to rediscover the existence of racism, is the same culture that led them to do little about it, due to the social media user's misconception that posting things to social media counts as doing something. I voted for Obama, and I posted a video that raises awareness about racism. You're welcome, black people. And then, a white Minneapolis police officer murdered George Floyd in broad daylight while three other cops prevented bystanders from helping. The murder of George Floyd will either serve as a catalyst for racial progress and real reforms to the systemic racism that has plagued our society since the 1600s, or we will fail again and end up with little more than the emergence of a newly annoying category of white people. So, here we are, finally dealing with the bitter, deep-seated problem of systemic racial injustice in the middle of a pandemic. Holy shit, coronavirus! We forgot about coronavirus! Yes, we did. And now, massive nationwide protests will almost certainly lead to massive new outbreaks of COVID-19. God damn it! For more on the effects of massive protests on the coronavirus epidemic, Barely Audible Whisper turns to world-renowned epidemiologist Dr. Mark Lipsitch, whose name sounds close enough to lip shits that we made a bunch of fart noise jokes. Hello, I'm famous epidemiologist Dr. Lipsitz, here to pontificate about the potential for mass infection that comes from massive protests. The problem with protests is that they have the potential effect of creating mass infection events, because the primary purpose of a protest is to further foment a cause by forming congregate formations of people 
to fight for a common purpose. Further formations packed with people will foment future protests. Perhaps the fomenting of further protests furthers the cause for which the protesters are fomenting, but the furtherance of formations packed with people during a pandemic will inevitably further foment infection. God damn it. So, in a dark irony, the long-overdue movement for racial justice will likely have the unintended consequence of spreading COVID-19, which already affects people of color at ridiculously disproportionate rates, disproportionately throughout the black community. God damn it. What the hell are we supposed to do about that? What if we, like, created a creative way to create social distance protests by creating protest art? That is the whitest damn thing I have ever heard! Unfortunately, our Al Sharpton impersonator is a white guy, because we lack in diversity. We're basically a bunch of white progressives from the previous sketch. I I voted for for Obama. Obama! The time is now, because the time has changed, because the time and the seasons change with time, and sometimes your watch says the time is three o'clock, but the time is really four o'clock because daylight savings time changes the time. And now is the right time to be the time. I know we're way too white to make fun of Al Sharpton's beautiful and poignant eulogy for George Floyd, but he really did belabor the time metaphor. Did we mention... We voted for Obama! So, in the midst of a pandemic, we have to not only fight for racial justice, but we have to fight against an authoritarian president trying to transform America from a democratic republic into a military dictatorship. Trump is the most bestest military dictator in the history of military dictators because all the other military dictators had to actually serve in the military, but I had bone spurs. Once again, our Trump impersonator is a woman because fuck Trump! Plus, the protest will further spread the infection among the already disproportionately infected people you are fighting for. That idiotic Fox News talking point practically writes itself. Judge Jeanine Pirro here. Black Lives Matter claims that Black Lives Matter. But then why is Black Lives Matter endangering the very Black Lives? They claim matter. God damn it! But if we don't find a way to continue the fight... What if, like, all of the protesters held six-foot finger-painted rainbows so they could express love and unity from a safe six-foot social distance? We may end up living in a world that looks like this. Many people are saying that slavery was really good for the economy because black unemployment. Blacks for Trump. Also, if you don't worship me like a god, I'll have you blown up by a tank. This is bullshit. You're under arrest. Who are you? Why are you arresting me? It's a secret. God damn it! Lean on me when you're not strong. And I'll be your friend. 
Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, made possible by the following people, writer, co-host, and producer Dave Baldwin, co-host and actress Molly Brown, writer and actor and Lean On Me singer Daniel Carter Brown, Lean On Me singer Emily Sams Brown, and actors Corey Burns, Ali Glonick, and Michael Morgan. Please uh, check out our website, barelyaudiblewhisper.com, where you can subscribe to us, you can follow us on social media, and you can tell all your friends that you think we're cool. We appreciate your support. Somebody to lean on.